0: Going to have to excuse my voice. I have a little raspy throat. So does Brother Ken. So excuse Brother Ken if he's off-key. Today, singing, we both have something in our throats that's going around. And Jesus, in and his discourse on the... It's the night of the Last Supper, and he's given this discourse to the apostles. And one of the purpose of Jesus' life is to reveal to us the Father to reveal to us the first person of the Holy Trinity. Jesus is the second person of the Holy Trinity, and Jesus's purpose is to reveal to us the love of the Father, the love of the Heavenly Father. And so that's why Jesus says, whatever I say to you, the Father has said to me first. So it's the Father telling Jesus, what to say? The works that Jesus does is the Father that's telling him to do these works. So Jesus is always in obedience to the Father's will, or, or as Jesus says, the Father is in me, and I am in the Father. That's, what, that's where we say we believe in one God, but three divine persons. That's all I'm gonna speak about with the Holy Trinity, because it's, it's a mystery. Now, go beyond that. You're going to be confused. It's 9 a.m. in the morning. You need your coffee. The mystery of the Holy Trinity. So Jesus is revealing to us the love of the Father. But then how do we go to Jesus? And Jesus does something. It's not in this gospel. It will be in gospels, you know, that we will be reading in Easter time. That Jesus then Gives us the Holy Spirit, the Father and the Son. Send the Holy Spirit upon us so that we have the Spirit of the living God living within us. And the Spirit gives glory to Jesus and gives glory to the Father. So you notice that within the Holy Trinity, each of the divine persons is giving glory to the other person. There's a total selflessness within the Holy Trinity itself. The Father glorifies the Son, the Son glorifies the Father, the Spirit glorifies both the Son and the Father. And so the Holy Trinity teaches us something about life, not to glorify ourselves, but to be selfless, and to glorify God, or even to glorify others, to lift up others, never to lift up ourselves. That doesn't mean that we put ourselves down, but we don't exalt ourselves. We're always glorifying someone else. Jesus says a, a passage in here where he talks about the works. And he says, amen, amen, I say to you, whoever believes in me will do the works that I do and will do greater ones than these because I'm going to the Father. What are the works of Jesus? You ever ask that? Sometimes I ask questions when I'm reading, reading the Bible, and I say, what are the works of Jesus, So, on one end, we might think that all the works of Jesus are extraordinary. You might think, I can never do the works of Jesus. How can I do the works of Jesus? I'm just a human being, I'm struggling in my life. It's very difficult living a Christian life. How can I do the works of Jesus? So, first of all, if you think of the works as extraordinary, maybe not. You can't do the works of Jesus. But if you think of some of the works as ordinary, then maybe, yes, you can. So what were the works of Jesus? Think of some of the works of Jesus. First of all, he worked as a carpenter for 30 years. That was a work of Jesus. We don't ever think of the day-to-day work that we do as a work of Jesus. That was a work of Jesus. He spent most of his life working as a carpenter, 30 out of 33 years. Sometimes we only think about the three years of mission, but we don't think about the ordinary day-to-day life that Jesus lived. And so when when we're working every day, and we lift up that work to God and we do it for the Lord, we're doing the works of Jesus. No matter what work or job, that we are doing during the day, we are doing the works of Jesus if we unite it with Jesus. What are other works of Jesus that he did? Again, not so much ordinary, but maybe this one's a little bit more virtuous, that he forgave sins. He showed mercy toward others. He showed mercy to the poor. He showed mercy to the sick. He showed mercy to the lame and the blind, those who were ostracized from society. He always reached out to the underdogs in society. You gotta love Jesus for that. He always reached out to those who were kind of outcasts in society, the sinners, the prostitutes, the tax collectors. And so when we do the works of mercy, we're doing the works of Jesus. When we feed the hungry, Give drink to the thirsty, clothe the naked, shelter the homeless. When we bury the dead, when, when we're patient with those in error, those are the spiritual works of mercy. When we forgive offenses, we are like Jesus in that way when we do those things. Now, there's even more of the works of Jesus that we can do. When we evangelize the gospel, when we preach, or, or maybe, maybe you get pamphlets and you hand them out to people in your work. And who cares if they don't accept it? Because if one person accepts it, that's all that matters. That's all that matters. Evangelization, saying to someone, would you like to come to church with me this Sunday? No, get out of here. I don't want that. I don't want anything to do with God. You know what you do the following week on Friday? Would you like to go to church with me this Sunday? (laughs) I told you, no, get out of here. I don't want anything to do with God. You know what you do the third week? The Knights of Columbus are having a pancake breakfast. Would you like to go to church with me? (laughs) It doesn't always have to be a pure motive why people go to church. Just by that invitation... You can evangelize. You can bring people back to their faith because once then they're here at church and the Holy Spirit can work on people's hearts, on their lives. And they could say, boy, that was a great experience. And the pancakes were great that the Knights of Columbus did. And I met people and there was fellowship and I don't feel far away from God. That I I feel like God is a God of mercy that he's not just a God of judgment, wanting to punish me. Because that's what many people think that don't go to church. They, They think that God is just going to punish them. So evangelization, evangelization, evangelizing with this great message of divine mercy, giving out pamphlets and images of the divine mercy, little booklets, that's doing the works of Jesus. There's another work of Jesus, and you see this in all of the lives of the saints. You see it in the Acts of the Apostles today. What is that work of Jesus that Jesus did that his followers also do? And you may not think of it as a work, but it is a work. The work is enduring persecution and suffering for the sake of the gospel. Or maybe just enduring illness. Because the greatest work of Jesus that he did was not his healing, was not working extraordinary miracles. There are saints that have done that. But rather, it was his suffering, his death on the cross. It was through Jesus' suffering that the world re- was redeemed. It was through his, the opposition toward Jesus. So when we're opposed as Christians, when we're suffering, that's when we're doing the work of Jesus. That's when we're most like Jesus, is when we suffer. (coughs) Whether that suffering comes from, say, a persecution because of our faith. The suffering may come from an illness that we don't know, you know, we're just enduring it. But suffering is when we're most like Jesus, when we're most doing the works of Jesus. There's one work of Jesus that we can't do, that only God can do for us, and that's the resurrection of the dead. So when Jesus rose from the dead, that, that's a work that none of us can do. That's a work that God will give us at the end of time, the resurrection of our body. So doing these works of Jesus, how do we do it? Again, going back to the Holy Trinity with the power of the Holy Spirit. You can't do it on your own. You need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. You know what it says at the end of the Acts of the Apostles today? That the apostles are preaching and there's opposition. There's believers and there's unbelievers. So there's going to always be believers and unbelievers when we preach the good news of the gospel. But it says at the end, after they were expelled from the city, after they were persecuted for the sake of the name, it says, the disciples were filled with joy and the Holy Spirit. Can you imagine that, that you go into a town, you're preaching the gospel, And, you know, maybe half the people are accepting it, half the people aren't accepting it. And they throw you out of the town, they throw you out of the city. And what's your response? You might say, you might say, what's wrong with those people? Complaining, murmuring. But no, the disciples, when they were persecuted for the name, they were filled with joy and the Holy Spirit. We were filled with joy in the Holy Spirit. That's something for us to take. What are we filled with? Are we filled with joy and the Holy Spirit as Christians? Are our tanks empty? You know, like a car, you gotta fill up the tank with gas. You, you gotta fill it up with something good. Or if you have an electric vehicle, you gotta recharge the battery. Where do you, where are you filled with? Are you full of joy and the Holy Spirit? And if you're not, you can always ask for it. You can always say, God, I'm empty. My tank is empty. I'm not full of joy. Maybe I'm full of bitterness. I'm full of rancor and anger and division. But God, fill me with joy. Fill me with the power of the Holy Spirit so I can do the works that you have done in your life. And so our time during Easter is a time of preparation for Pentecost, for the Holy Spirit. And it's when we have the Holy Spirit within us, that's when we can do the works of God. We can't do it by ourselves. We'll we'll just fall flat on our face. But with the power of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit can lift us up can help us to do those works that Jesus wants us to do, those simple works, not extraordinary, but simple works that Jesus wants us to do. Call on the Holy Spirit. Call on that gift of joy. Do not be afraid, because even when you're persecuted for the sake of the gospel, like the apostles, you're most like Jesus. And when you're persecuted, be filled with joy, and be filled with the Holy
1: Spirit. Hello, I'm Father Thaddeus Langton of the Marian Fathers of the Immaculate Conception. And I'm excited to let you know about my new podcast with Father Timothy Childers called, Keeping It Marian. To access the podcast, simply visit divinemercyplus.org or search Keepin' It Marian on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or on whatever podcast platform you prefer. I want to share with you the riches of the charism of the Marian Fathers, which is the mystery of the Immaculate Conception, how it touches our lives as consecrated priests and religious, and how this mystery can bear fruit in your life, especially by keeping the Word of God and pondering it in our hearts and imitation of our Blessed Mother. I hope you'll join us. Again, it's called Keepin' It Marion. Thank you, and God bless you.
2: Please follow or subscribe to this podcast to receive the latest episodes and updates. If you have been blessed by this podcast, I invite you to leave a review. Reviews greatly improve our podcast ranking and will help spread this podcast to other people throughout the world. Are you enjoying this podcast?